to the Wisdom Podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. And today will be part two of a new series we started on the podcast on trials. And today I'm recording from my new studio, also known as my car, (laughs) because that's what's needed for today. (laughs) I actually locked my keys in my car the other day with all of my recording equipment I just got it back so that was my technical difficulty and why this podcast isn't coming to you until Friday probably more information than you wanted to know but there you go so just to recap what we talked about last time we looked at trials and we talked about how trials are really opportunities for our perspective to be challenged and for us to realize those upgrades God has for us in understanding our identity in Christ and understanding the grace of God. And what trials do is they challenge all those perspectives that are still trusting ourselves or trusting circumstances or trusting people um, maybe in an unhealthy way. And we looked at Romans 8, Romans 5, about pressure, about suffering, And how pressure reveals those holes in our understanding of the nature and character of God. And where I want to start today, or what I want to dig into more, is... Are trials intended to be painful? Sometimes when you're talking about the grace of God, we can think that there's no longer pain that we experience. And then when we do experience pain, we feel confused and frustrated thinking... Well, wait a second. I thought I was a new creation. I thought I was. I thought all the old things were gone, and behold, everything's been made new. What's happening? Why am I experiencing all these things now? And we get a little confused on the issue of pain. Something to think about before I dive in here. Did you realize pain is actually a gift from God? Pain is actually the mercy of God. To remove pain from life would would cause you to be unaware when you are emotionally or physically redlining in life and you need to make some drastic changes. If your fingertips didn't feel pain and you put your finger on a hot burner... And now your finger has been deformed from the heat. That would be bad. But because your fingertips have nerve endings, and when you touch something hot, it hurts, your body's natural response is to pull back. Pain actually just saved you from further harm. That's the gift of pain. That's the, that's the thing that we want to tap into, and the thing we want to recognize is... God's perspective on some of this stuff is different. And when we see it from his perspective, honestly, even emotional pain, though we don't need to own that as our identity, we don't need to make how wounded we are, what we always talk about. When you feel pain emotionally, it indicates there could be some unhealthy rhythms and perspectives and input that you're digesting that if you don't change stuff, it's going to cause more problems. And so God's getting your attention when things hurt so that you'll recognize there's better ways to live, 
by the grace of God, from our identity in Christ, from the resurrection power of Jesus. None of that's changing, but pain indicates, hey, you might not realize you have unhealthy perspective, you have unhealthy boundaries relationally, you need to make some adjustments. And pain has a way of communicating that sometimes the best of intentions from a friend or a loved one may not get the same attention that a painful spot will. So God in his wisdom doesn't remove pain, but it's not his goal to put you in pain. Like that's what you have to realize, guys. God doesn't get pleasure when you're hurting. He's not like, yes, your life's awful. I love it. No, he's not like that at all. He weeps with those who weep. He rejoices with those that rejoice. He is moved with compassion. Why did Jesus hang out with sinners? Because he saw their pain. He saw their problems. He was moved with compassion. Why did he get frustrated at the spiritual elite? Because he saw that they had some ways that they could maybe help people and they refused to do it because they view people through the lens of the law instead of the lens of love. Recognizing, yes, they probably have sin issues going on, but if I can, to put it in my own words and to put it in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, if I can show them what the grace of God is all about, I can. he can start to unwrap some of those places of pain. And it can be a beautiful and wonderful experience. So, so pain is a gift. Let's start... Let's start with that idea. And here's what I've noticed with trials and pain. Oftentimes what trials do is they, again, they touch those places in our understanding, in our perspective, that are not in line with the character of God, the identity, our identity in Christ, and the grace of God. And oftentimes it pushes on a pressure point, and those trials actually feel painful. So let me give you an example. Let's take rejection. So let's say that you're in a you're in a conversation or a relationship with someone you deeply respect and you really have a value for. And let's say they put you down or they say something that just is harsh or critical. Or maybe it's not even harsh or critical. Maybe it's just the lens through which you're looking through. Maybe they disagree with you on something. Or maybe they're just straight to the point. And your heart just begins to sink. And your emotions begin to go in a spiral and you leave that interaction and you just don't know which way is up and you begin to wonder god what is, what's going on and you if you don't understand the nature and character of god you begin you can't do one of two things either just get really bitter at people because of what they've done or you can take a wrong perspective that somehow God wants you to feel this pain so that he can grow your character. And now you start looking for painful experiences because in the name of godliness, you think pain is the way to get to a life representing God. When in reality, the better way to look at it is the pain is signaling something. God is going to use this for your good and he will get your attention so that he can speak to you. But typically what he's going to do is he's going to show you how we can place wrong 
priorities and values upon another human being and their opinion of us. And so God's not trying to say, you just need to get rejected so many times that you don't feel rejection anymore. No, he's trying to get you to go, you find your value based on other people's opinions way too often, and I want you to find your value based on my opinion alone. And that becomes a foundation in our life. Then, when we experience rejection, it doesn't sting as bad. Do you know why? Because your personal value was not on the line based on whether or not the person in front of you likes you or affirms you. Your personal value is secure in God. And if someone doesn't like you or doesn't think your idea is great, it's amazing. It doesn't sting. It doesn't hurt. And you know what? You don't get mad at them and you don't lose the relationship. So it's allowing God in the place of pain to reorient you, to find your value in Him and who He says you are and who He says He is in you and through you. And when your mindsets and your perspectives are sunk into that reality, then your emotions follow suit. And now you don't, you don't feel like your, your emotional life is on the line with every conversation, which could bring up issues of rejection. Something to think about. But it's really important to know that it's not in God's heart to delight in your pain. And honestly, a lot of times, the more painful something becomes, it's typically because of how stubborn we are. <laughs> if we just refuse to let God adjust our perspective, upgrade our relationship with Him and with others, and we just are going to hunker down in our, in our ideas, then God will let you go your own way. Not because He's mad at you, but because He knows the only way to really get your attention is to let that thing so fail that you finally give up and recognize, God, I need you to teach me. And that may be through His Word, by His Spirit, that may be through a friend, it may be all a combination of all of those, and probably will be. Okay, let's take a look at James chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 2 through 8 here. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Here's what it says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers. Now that, that should wreck you. Consider it pure or absolute joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is double-minded, unstable in all he does. So, here's a couple thoughts. When you're finding yourself facing a trial, walking through a trial, on the back end of a trial, every part of it is a time to ex get excited. It's a time to rejoice. That's why James says, consider it pure joy. God's intention in the midst of trial is absolute and utter joy, despite your circumstances. Also notice, trials are for the testing of our faith, not our character. Trials aren't testing your character. They're not making you more godly. What trials are doing is teaching you to trust in Jesus and not yourself. 
teaching you to stop trusting in your gifts, stop trusting in your personality, stop trusting in what you can control, and start trusting in Jesus and who He is. Now, the byproduct of that is the fruit of the Spirit. The evidence of that is godly character. Does godly character emerge out of trials? It does, but it's not the point. The point is faith. The point is who do you trust? Who are you resting in? Who are you relying upon? Are you relying upon yourself? Are you relying upon your friends? Are you relying upon your leaders? Or are you relying upon Jesus and who he is and what he's done? Then you can come out of a trial, like it says in the Song of Solomon, who is this coming up from the desert, leaning on her lover. The place, what trials do is it teaches you how to trust and rest in the work of Jesus. And it's really, really, really good news. Okay, I want you to check this out. Notice it says, The testing of our faith produces perseverance so that we won't lack anything. So somehow, the development of perseverance produces in us this realization that we don't lack anything, that we are complete in Christ, we have everything we need for life and godliness, according to 2 Peter 1. And then the next phrase says, if you lack wisdom. The truth is, we don't lack in Christ. And that's what trials help us realize, is we've got a sufficient supply. But the next phrase that James says is, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God. Think back to Ephesians 1. What does Paul say or pray that we would have? The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. What's the answer to our challenges? It's not more of God. We have all of God, according to Colossians 2. It is a greater revelation or understanding of the all that we possess in Christ. So yes, there's process of growing and maturing, but it's not a process of becoming. It's a process of awakening, of realizing how fully and completely the work of Jesus is in my life and how that establishes itself in my actions. So he says, if you lack wisdom, ask God who doesn't find fault. Now this is amazing. Think about this, guys. So God knows he's completed the work in Christ in you. And he knows that if you think you lack something, all that reveals is your immaturity. And yet when you ask for wisdom... He doesn't fault you. He doesn't get upset. He recognizes that he can unpack. He can illuminate by the Holy Spirit more of a revelation of Christ in you. The wisdom of ages. He's unpacking that in you. He's unshowing you. So when you ask, there's one thing he says. Don't doubt. Unbelief will work against our sense of well-being and identity in Christ. And the writer here, James, says, If any man lacks wisdom, ask God. But when he asks, he must believe. For if he doubts, he should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. For he's double-minded and unstable in all he does. That double-mindedness thinking, I'm part okay with God and I'm part not okay with God. I'm full in Him and I'm lacking in Him. I think God said this, but I'm not quite sure because my circumstances aren't matching up. 
that process will will mess you up and and really so so how do we how do we persevere through that we constantly feed ourselves on what god has said on what he's saying on who jesus is on what he's done and we let our emotions not dictate our perspective we recognize our emotions are in the process of changing as our hearts and minds are resting in the truth of what the scriptures say about who jesus is what he's done and who we now are in light of that See, what trials do is they confront our doubt and they unpack revelation. And here's the crazy thing about trials. When we really are established and mature in our revelation of Jesus and the fact that there is no more lack now in this kingdom, then here's the question. What really can hurt you? What can harm you if you know Jesus, the sufficient one, is supplying everything? What circumstance can intimidate you? What relationship can make you scared? There isn't one. Just let that sink in for a bit. So here's a couple thoughts. Maybe some practical things that you can walk away with. Ask God what he's teaching you in your current set of circumstances, whether it's a trial or not. Just ask the question, God, what are you teaching me? What am I learning? And if you're, if you are in a trial, here's a little thought that Graham Cook shares when someone finds themselves in a trial. This is the question he asks. Ask God what he wants to be for you now in the midst of your trial, that he couldn't be for you in any other season. So what does he want to be for you? Because what you begin to see, who God wants to be for you, that's a reflection of who he's showing you, you already are in Christ. And the second question is, okay God, now that you've shown me who you want to be for me and who I am, what shall I do? What do I do with this, God? And the Holy Spirit will give you specific actions to take. And as you take those baby steps, empowered by the grace of God, then you're going to start seeing stuff change. Relationships change. Circumstances change. It may not happen overnight, but it will happen. And it will be good news. And you will emerge from that experience more at rest in Jesus and more convinced of his complete work on your behalf and more anchored in your identity in Christ and the grace of God. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes so iTunes will suggest this podcast to others. Thanks, everyone, and take care.